All right, welcome to this week's episode of Gain It For Riffs, the only podcast about riffs um, that we know of, at least. Uh, welcome, Jonathan, joining me today, as always. How are you doing? Doing good, doing fine. I've had a little bit of a lack of riff lately to bring to the show, mm -hmm. but uh, I've managed to find another one for this one too, and I guess uh, one of these days uh, a bunch of them is going to come, come around. Yeah, I was wondering what happened to those six fat riffs that you talked about yeah, last week. I mean, week. Uh, one of them uh, we've done, or one or maybe two of them we've done. It could be like Emerald, Ace of Spades, Ritual were, were in there, and mm. then there were three more that didn't really work, and uh, one that worked well, but I didn't have much to say about it. So, <laughs> the, you know, it happened. I, I, I recognize it. Uh, lately, I've been doing pretty good with the uh, riff, um, uh, riff inspiration-wise, definitely. Uh, it's been really fun also to play a lot uh, and to practice. I feel I'm getting better, getting the hang of it, also getting a lot more into these uh, instructional videos on YouTube. And you keep sending me a lot of good tips yeah. um, uh, from our like favorite YouTubers like Rick Beato, um, uh, Jake Lissio, and uh, what was uh, the latest one? You found him a bit robotic, uh, The Art of Guitar. That uh, yeah. martial arts dude, but he's very, 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 very careful in his explanations and analysis, especially of Metallica riffs. Like uh, <laughs> he's very, very in depth with the details. So I, I can accept him being a little bit robotic. But I oh, think yeah. uh, Lizio is like a very nice level of uh, of um, theory right there. Like it's a good way yeah, for anyone to get into theory, and he's very quick and efficient in his in his like um, instructions and in his. Um, Le uh, lectures basically which we yeah. are not we take our time here on the uh, gain of riffs <laughs> um <clears throat> talking about that I, I i finally gave up and bought the rick beato beato book um right. his uh, theory um, pdf of 400 pages that i'm now like looking at and i don't know where to start uh, but I, i'm sure it will be useful down the line yeah a little bit daunting with like the 500 pages but i guess you could break it down into sections and try and find what's most interesting or fun uh, mm. to start to begin with and uh, maybe something that is also easy enough to get a grasp on yeah i mean for me this uh do making this podcast every week uh sometimes even like two episodes uh, at the same time i'm uh, practicing a lot of riffs so that they sound good and uh, I'm I'm trying to learn new ones uh, so that I yeah challenge myself and I think that uh, to me it makes it fun uh, makes yeah. it worthwhile. And today I went back in time like uh, I went to, to a strange place in my childhood I would say like a place I didn't know if I was cool enough to uh, be welcomed in and I, I'm still not sure. Uh, so that will be interesting to uh, venture deeper into later in this episode. But I know that you also have a riff, yeah. as always. Yeah, and I think this riff also ventures into your past. Maybe not the same era of your past, but um, I think uh, you could probably recognize it. And uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I say that every time. Sometimes uh, sometimes with a little bit of doubt and sometimes a little bit more sure. And I guess this time I'm neutral. Uh, you're probably going to recognize it, but uh, you might as well not. So um, I'm going to play it, but first I'm going to go get a beer in the fridge. Ooh. One of those episodes, Jonas Drunk. Uh, it's uh, one of those we have to cut out later, but uh, <laughs> well, you can stick with me, folks. Uh, maybe when he is lying under the table, I'll continue riffing. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Um, while he's not while he's away getting his beer, I can also tell you that you should uh, really follow us on Instagram. Um, Check our uh, Apple podcast where you can leave us a five-star review if you want. Uh, I think we're good enough for that. And um, then please come with uh, suggestions for riffs. Like last week, uh, Bjorn had uh, asked me to play uh, Link Race Rumble, which uh, really uh, set me down a rabbit hole. And it was really, uh, I really enjoyed that thoroughly. So thank you and a special shout out to Bjorn. Uh, one of our first listeners. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, my riff of this week might also be like a blast from the past in your case. Let's see if you okay. recognize it. 
Staring into uh, the abyss <laughs> somehow, <laughs> uh, it's uh, I like I so recognize it. Can I hear the this descending pattern again? Um, yeah, with the distortion or in the clean. Uh, yeah, yeah, with the distortion. I think. So. I think I Okay, yeah, yeah, that helped me a lot. Uh, it's dancing. Yeah, exactly. How the gods kill. Yes, that's what I was going to say. How the gods kill. Exactly. Uh, we all recognize these notes, uh, the dancing notes that uh, <laughs> are almost in all of his riffs. Uh, yeah. Or the riffs made by John Christ, maybe. Yeah. Um, was that deleted, that episode? No, that was in episode one where we talked about John Christ. Wasn't it? In episode two, uh, I think, yeah. In, when we talk about squeal, squeal pinch harmonics, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh, nice, uh, but is it John Christ playing on the third album? It is, right? Then he was I still in the so. band. I think so. I'm gonna have to double check that actually. Uh, we, we maybe we should check this info before we go too far. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. It's John Christ on guitar, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, strange name on the bass player there, Eri Von. Eri Von. Eri Von, he also played in uh, Danzig's prior band, uh, the uh, Samhain. Okay, and then uh, obviously we have Glenn Danzig on vocals and also keyboards. Actually, he's credited for. Interesting. Mm. And then uh, the favorite drummer name, Chuck Biscuits. <laughs> Chuck Biscuits uh, uh, plays extremely hard on his drums. Uh, yeah, he's known for it. I don't know if he went on to do anything after Danzig. I haven't seen him on so many things. Maybe he's a session musician. Great name, anyway. Yeah, Chuck Biscuits. John Christ, also a little bit edge lord, but uh, it's okay. Yeah. I, 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 it's okay. In the beginning of the 90s, yeah, why not? Uh, okay, nice, nice choice. Uh, also from like all the riffs uh, of Danzig, How the Gods Kill. Um, yeah, I like that kind of clean passage there. Um, it's um, uh, oh, by the way, this is from Danzig Three, uh, also titled "How the Gods Kill." So it's the title track of the third Danzig record, mm. and it was released in 1992, produced by Rick Rubin and Glenn Danzig. I forgot to ask you, but didn't Rick Rubin uh, produce last week's uh, song as well? Mm, you're right. Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah, we didn't even mention him, actually. Seasons in the Abyss. But that's good. Then we have something yeah. to talk about. Uh, true, true. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah. The beard. Rick Rubin is a very infamous, almost, producer. Like, the, the way he produces, he's, he's kind of this guru. Takes the yeah. guy surfing, and he lays, on, he lays in, a, in a side room. He's not even in the studio. He's usually laying in a side room with his, like, hippie lava lamps. And, uh, you know, just people come in to him like he's the advice mountain. Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, exactly. It's uh, more of this mood, uh, uh, mood creator type of guy. I mean, he's, uh, I don't think he's uh, so nitpicky about details, for sure. He leaves that to uh, studio en engineers, I guess. Yeah, but he's involved in some of the biggest albums of the 80s and 90s, I must say. Yeah. Uh, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of uh, metal, a lot of rock. Always the kind of raw stuff. I guess his sound mm. is raw. And uh, mm. I think lately he's done some not-so-good productions as well. Like, uh, for example, Death Magnetic is not great. Uh, no. I don't, I don't think he brought a lot to, the, to, to Metallica. Maybe they were not really a good match to begin with. And also he produced 13 by Black Sabbath, and I didn't like that one much either. It sounds good, but I didn't uh, like the, the, the material I, I, on it. 
at this point maybe he's phoning at home i mean it's uh he, he has a powerful name and a powerful beard he can do whatever he likes i think he even produced uh, howling rain which is quite uh, uh surprising uh remember the first time you went uh, you no the, the yeah the first time you visited me in amsterdam uh we were going to see this live show with uh or this show by howling rain a favorite favorite band of mine back the then band yeah seven years ago and uh, they had just released a album that was produced by rick rubin and uh i, I don't know what was produced by him <laughs> it, yeah it, it sounds good it sounds luxurious uh maybe a bit too uh too luxurious so okay yeah i think uh his albums sound a bit too good maybe is that uh, is that uh which, which album you mean uh, this one how all, the gods kill all his, all his albums sound a bit too polished uh, okay maybe yeah he's raw but he's always on these big budget big names so i guess that's, that's why the they thing. Maybe sound a little bit too overworked i would say maybe not polished but kind of maybe i don't even know if they sound over, overworked but i mean to put it simply he's not really like a, a hero of mine uh, rick rubin even mm-hmm. though he did great job with the uh, rain in blood and uh, mm. Also, he did. Uh, what was the hip hop he did? He did some good stuff. Was it Run DMC or uh, Public Enemy? Right. Public uh, Enemy. Okay. Cool. Uh, anyway, the, the stuff was cool. Though it sounded good. I can't remember. <laughs> which, probably Public Enemy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just a character, I guess. He's kind of a punk, I think, from the, in the in the beginning. When um, then he um, he had his own label, right? Deaf American. Mm. And I think Danzig was released on Deaf American, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, he also produced, uh, didn't he produce uh, Johnny Cash's uh, American records also? Yeah. yeah. Uh, these very, four very amazing. Uh, amazing cover albums that yeah. kind of cemented him into the lore of also more current uh, music listeners. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he might be have been more curiosity from uh, 60s and 70s. He did a good job on that, but at the same time, he just really put like two nice microphones in front of Johnny Cash and told him yeah. to play covers. And we, I mean, we that, do have a connection there to Danzig because he wrote the track uh, that uh, Johnny Cash recorded, 13. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Danzig is very proud of this. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it sound, it's a, like a murder ballad uh, sort of uh, dealing with the number 13. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's one of the weaker songs. <laughs> 13, I, I don't like t- stuff titled 13. I don't like that. Megadeth has a shitty album titled 13. Black oh, Sabbath no. has a phoned-in money grab album <laughs> called 13. It's not a good name. Oh, no. Is Metallica's next album number 13? No. <laughs> no, number okay, they have it. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be good. So how, anyway, How the Gods Kill, I would say this yeah. album sounds amazing. I really like the yes, sound on this yes, album. Yes, uh, and I, I, was, I was thinking about it because it, uh, it is right before uh, the fourth album where I think it started to go downhill a little bit. It still sounds okay, but after that it just went... Uh, Danzig started producing his own uh, music. Yeah, and it just went bananas. But maybe we're not there yet. But yeah, I agree. Uh, number three sounds great. It's a very good sound. I mean, the first two so- albums have a more maybe typical Rick Rubin sound, super dry, very very basic. But I think the third one he kind of beefed it up a little bit, and I think it sounds great. You could listen to Dirt- Dirty Black Summer as well. It has a, like, mm. it's, it's a heavy sound. It's a good sound. Dirty and, uh, Black Summer. Still, uh, very still like uh, arguably very minimalistic and basic stuff that he comes up with like if you listen to this clean riff that's just an e minor triad a half step mm. tuned down and then uh, c major and uh, a5 and then a g to pull you back and then also that G becomes the start of the distorted riff. So it starts on the beat three and four in, um, in the previous bar, like, which is a pretty powerful move. And then into yeah. that riff. And then on this guitar, I'm not so used to playing pinch harmonics. I'm not always nailing them, but all the high notes are pinch harmonics <laughs> in the riff. That's also a very very simple riff. It's uh, yeah. E minor that cli- and the melody climbs down from uh, from a G, which is the fifth fret on the fourth string, mm. and then down to uh, 
um, F sharp and then um, E and D. So that's just kind of running down the E minor scale with everything pinched harmonic. Yeah, you you have all the dancing tropes in the song, like like the also the uh, the picked uh, pattern that is lullaby esque. You know, it it comes back in uh, several songs. Uh, started uh, already on the first dancing album or on the second, right? With um, thinking which song uh, or is anything is that on this album? Or is it the fourth? Anything is on this album, yeah. It's the second track on the album. Sail my arms, anything you need. Sail my love you. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, his singing is pretty good, I think. Uh, I, I think so, like too. His singing. I think um, a lot of people just laugh. And it is laughable, but uh, I quite like it. And then... Yeah, the, the problem is uh, he starts... Uh, I, I, he always like nails that part of the vocals, but... Later, he's, what happens on the later albums, he kind of starts screaming more in the harder parts, and he kind of breaks his voice in a very ugly way. It's a distorted feeling. Uh, might be that he even like enhances that with distortion on the uh, wow. on the like singing. Probably a lazy uh, move there. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I, I really, I really like when I was, you know, we were we're back there again. But when I was 14, 30, 14, listening to dancing, and it's like this kind of love ballads from this very, very short man. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> but very dark. Very and wide. There's a lot too. of pinch, uh, pinch harmonics <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So, it was, was every fantastic. note when you saw that other guy live, uh, Tommy Victor. <laughs> Tommy Victor, yeah. Tommy Victor. He played <laughs> every single note. But in this riff, he would have been fine, unless he also added it on the power chord. But I don't think he would do that on the. I think no. It <laughs> that would be horrible to try and do that. Like or on the pick, pick pattern, you can't do that. <laughs> But the rest of the riff, for sure. I, I like that it's such a simple riff, but it's still monumental. It still like opens mm. up the the epic title track, and yeah, I really, I, I dig his singing on the clean part. I really like it. It has, um, it's moody. It's kind of um, almost psychedelic in a sense. What's the song about? Um, how, they, how, the gods how the gods kill <laughs> obviously <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I actually haven't paid any attention to the lyrics in the song uh, uh, I, just, I just so re recently picked it now but uh, I am gonna bring up the lyrics here to give them a quick I, 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 I have them here uh, okay. I guess the, it, it starts it, it, does he sing on the uh, the picking pattern yeah if you feel alive in a darkened room you know the name of your solitude it must be a better. I don't know if it, it, it's not that low. I think he sings higher there. It's, it's a nice. Okay. but I, 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 okay, I don't good. have it on, from the top of my mind. But he, he has this wailing. He's always wailing. So it starts with yeah. oh, something like that. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah. It has this uh, uh, this moody uh, part with um, uh, of my life. Show me how the gods kill. <laughs> something like that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, what it's, does it really say? Uh, if you feel alive in a darkened room, you know the name of your solitude. Uh, if you ain't got the answer. If you ain't got the answer. <laughs> if yeah, you don't I mean, know the it, truth. It, 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 it describes a moment in... Uh, it, it, very sh I think a very short moment uh, in someone's life where you have this epiphany of that you're, you're asking this uh, question that is too big for you. I mean, you can't even... Uh, explain it, uh, and he can't explain it. Uh, I think the, this uh, cosmic uh, aspect uh, of this song, like talking about gods, but you and you look on the cover, you have this uh, uh, artwork by H.R. Geiger, who made the alien uh, design, among other things. Yeah, uh, it's very sexual, mechanical, and. Uh, yeah, uh, horrifying uh, artwork that kind yeah. of became a staple for uh, another trope for for dancing, and yeah. uh, but I think it's it kind of hits home. And it's it's such a nonsense lyric, but it's just because uh, it's, it describes a very short moment. I think it it doesn't need to describe many things, but there's like an you have an empty soul, yeah. you'll find the noose. Um, 
that morning it, it's a, it seems like nonsense but i think to him it means more uh i i w- i think i would have gotten a lot out of this when i was 14 i think i did but i think it's maybe not his more, more most interesting lyric no but i think you got a good analysis there it kind of because it's it's not it's kind of similar to um, um the previous episode with seasons in the abyss that it's it's more of a mood lyric and uh Arguably better than Seasons in the Abyss, lyrically still. And when you talk about it like a moment, it kind of goes well with the with the song too and how it opens up and uh, epiphany is a good word. Like a, a quick epiphany and show me how the gods kill. Like uh, your, I liked your interpretation. It's just, you know, show me something that I can't even fathom, can't even understand. Yeah. It's it's an alright lyric. I mean, I it, think it works uh, for the song. I really dig the song. It kind of goes back to the, his misfit days. Uh, it's very short songs with uh, very catchy lyrics, mostly uh, hockey choir uh, in the in the choruses. Uh, but really, like it, it describes these moments, uh, like in the, one of my favorite songs, uh, Astro Zombies, uh, which is. Uh, this one with the oh all i want to know all i want with just a touch of my burning hand i send my astro zombies to rape the land prime directive exterminate the whole human race and your face drops in a pile of flesh and then your heart heart pounds till it pumps to burn prime directive exterminate Whatever stands left. So it's like he's part of this invasion, where, but he, you know, the, a person is part of the invasion but gets, you know, killed, and that's a small meeting between the zombie and the person, astro zombie, alien invasion, and the person getting uh, <laughs> uh, eradicated. I think that's like how how he works with lyrics. Very short, um, short and simple. Actually, Samhain, I. I know nothing about Samhain uh, mm. Misfits I have this uh, I've had this vinyl for ages with like their singles on uh, I was never huge on punk uh, but uh, I mean Misfits they kind of they go along with your life if you've been listening to uh, Metallica because Cliff Burton was such a fan he made the whole band fans of Misfits so they did oh, yeah. covers of them and that's I guess many in many, for many how they get introduced to to the, to, uh, the Misfits and also James Hetfield sang on the first um, dancing album uh, oh yeah, like on Twister Kane. Vocals, but uh, I would like to ask you if you, uh, what's your relationship with uh, Misfits? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed uh, them. And actually, the most important relationship I have is that it's where I started to play guitar and sing at the same time. Time because yeah, the songs are punk is, punk is power chords, punk power chords. Maybe max max three, and then uh, you sing over that. It's a very good way of. Uh, learning how to sing and play guitar at the same time. It's kind of like playing cowboy chords and singing country. It's very close. Um, and then from that, uh, the the role goes on uh, to learn how to riff and uh, sing at the same time, which is harder when you introduce a, like a different rhythm, for instance. Yeah, I mean, punk is usually, usually where things start for uh, young aspiring uh, guitarists in one way or another. Uh, I was never really into that genre, but it, it's, it's always been there on the side, and uh, I've had some songs that I dig. Uh, I like some Ramones as well, and uh, I like punky heavy metal from the early 80s and, and so on. So mm. there's definitely some respect for, for the, the genre of punk, and uh, it's fun to play mm. simple songs with a lot of energy. Then That's never going to die, really. Uh, my favorite no. Misfit songs would be uh, Where, Where Eagles Dare, probably. Oh, yeah. Funny okay. song. Every loser or something like that. Yeah. I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. You better think about it, baby. You better think about it, baby, baby. That's a good one. Uh, That's the chorus, right? I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's really good. Uh but I think it bring it brings um uh, Sam Haney is this kind of band in between. Uh, it's quite nice. Uh, right now, I don't remember any songs on top of my head, so we'll just skip that. But we're on the third album. Um, yep. It's quite a lot of hits. I mean, he was fairly popular during this time. Uh, I think it was... Um, uh, which It was Dirty Black Summer, maybe the hit of the album. Yep. It was in a lot of movie soundtracks That's for a, a long time. That's a good song, actually. It has the kind of 
I, I, I like uh, rock songs that uh, you drop the chorus line and then you head into the riff. Here, here yeah. comes the, the, the here comes the main hook, and you present it by naming the song. I think it often yeah. works very well. It's also a very good mm. song. And then um, you have this kind of slightly epic, maybe a little bit more heavy metal feel in this one. I think uh, how the gods kill and that um, simple arpeggio. It, it reminds me of early eighties metal. Yeah, somehow uh, like ten years ten years before the release, like eighty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like kind of an eighty two sound uh, with the, maybe the pinch harmonics aside. <laughs> that would be the the nineties flavor in there. Well, something that I like with the, there is some air in the production and in uh, there is dynamics in in uh, dancing songs for sure. I mean, there is a lot of the, the he uses the empty spaces in between riffs also. Um, yeah, I think and he lets he he segues different parts of the song with his voice, which is a very hard thing to do. Like, I mean, he lets his voice. Uh, speak <laughs> sing you know like it, it, it takes a lot of space and i think that's actually works in most of most of the time uh, at least up to this point yeah uh, i think the fourth record is uh good as well the second is perhaps my favorite second is lucifuge 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 right uh yeah it's which a good one, one is uh stolen like looks like the doors the, that's the first one no, 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 no. The, no, 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 no. That's the second one. Uh, the first one has the dancing skull uh, oh, yeah, right. on the front, right. front back, and then uh, you have, uh, uh, yeah, the the the, sto- the stolen doors, yeah. uh, for sure. But I like all the three all the three albums I have, which are the three first ones, and maybe I have the fourth one. What's the title of that one? Uh, it has some symbols. I think. I think it's just called Dancing Four, uh, like. Uh, it's a it's a rip off of uh, Led Zeppelin yeah. uh, four with the symbols also, but he has ah. some kind of this uh, symbol for Mars and Venus and uh, something. You know, this I don't know. What, what do you think about this when uh, when metal goes a bit like uh, not just for Satan, but it also goes for the um, uh, more like witchy side, the more um, yeah, like cryptic or. Um, oh. Yeah, a little bit of astrology meets witches and mystique and uh, yeah, all that stuff. I have to say that uh, I'm kind of for it. Uh, I I can like it, but it can also become just uh, a parody of itself very easily, Mm. Uh, I guess. Uh, You know, when you start adding symbols and stuff, maybe that could be, uh, it could become a little bit uh, just corny, I guess, in in the long run. But if it's done right, uh, I think it could be cool. And, uh, you know, it depends on, on the artist and the, the overall wish vision, I would say. Hmm. Uh, uh, John Christ, what can you say about him? I mean, did he just uh, do what um, uh, Glenn Danzig wanted him to do, or did he bring something? It's hard to know. I mean, there's so, so little with him. Yeah, I think Glenn wrote a lot of the riffs, uh, but mm. I, I don't know why I think that. No one has told me that. I just feel that these are simple riffs that may have been written by, by the lead singer. I... I think he, he definitely wrote all the songs in Misfits. Uh, on a, like the, the early demos are him playing on them on the keyboard and singing. It sounds great, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, she listened to that. Uh, she. I want to hear that. Yeah. No, it's nice. Um, what was the title? She. She. That's the song. Oh, just she. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Danzig. I've seen Danzig live. Um, unfortunately, mm. I have to add, mm. uh, because it was a disaster. It was among the worst gigs I've ever seen, actually. It was absolutely terrible. I don't know who played guitar. It was not John Christ, because this was in um, uh, 2010-ish, around that time. And I yeah, wasn't he, it Tommy Victor? His performance was one of the worst uh, performances I've ever seen, especially on a big festival stage. And he continuously mm. pointed his microphone straight down. You know, he held it up, you know, kind of like... A, uh, this hip hop stance when you hold it up, so he pointed it straight down to the monitor, so he had feedback all the time. There was okay. no feedback on that festival on any other band, and he was like shouting at the sound engineer, "Yeah, you dick! It's feeding back. <laughs> I can't perform." So uh, my impression was that he was so aware that he sucks now that he had to come up with uh, something, mm. some kind of uh, maneuver to make it seem like a technical issue. Which was sad and absolutely horrible. I, I give him a solid zero out of five for that performance. 
Okay. Uh, but I still like dancing. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, he uh, his two bands or three bands. Uh, they really they also kind of gave us the two uh, most popular uh, t-shirt designs ever. I would say the Misfits logo and the dancing logo. Uh, still looks really cool. Uh, do you want to play the riff one more time? To uh... yeah, I'll, I'll play the riff one more time. And I think also I wanted to address before we leave this topic and head on to your riff that uh, uh, his kind of attitude, right? He's a funny guy somehow. Like people like to laugh at him. He's uh, short and wide and very cocky, right? He's like <sighs> yeah, he's the kind it... of guy like I'm gonna fucking fight you, isn't he? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, there is this infamous video when he wa- wants to fight some fan and he just comes off as uh, an idiot. And it, it's very hard to know who's the idiot in this. And I think Danzig went off on a Trump-style rampage, you know, in interviews about like bringing up the situation. And you, that's really not what you should do. <laughs> oh. He needs a pu- he needs a publicist. He needs someone to take care of his PR. Yeah, uh, I guess so. because right now he's he's releasing like Elvis cover album, and uh, <laughs> I think his Virotic comic book line went uh, bankrupt. Hopefully, it was really crap. Um, but it's still, if you go to dancing.com, it, it still redirects you to his horrible comic book uh, uh, endeavor. Uh, don't go there. You're, it's you're terrible. quite versed in comic books, right? Yeah, but th- this is really bad. Yeah, so I mean, you're a good, you're a good judge of, uh, of what's a good yeah, and bad comic. It's, it's, it's crap. Uh, it's, it's his fantasies come to life, but like drawn really wonky really bad uh, a lot of sexual stuff that uh, violence that really uh, you don't want to you don't want to see it okay. uh, you just you skip I mean, it <laughs> yeah no i'm not going to check it out uh, no draw for me there to go into that no, but i good. feel i would say that uh, i can kind of um, i guess defend the, the 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 uncompromising attitude if it comes with metal sometimes that uh, you know you don't have the social phobia of trying to be smooth or cool you're just kind of opening up for the warrior theme i addressed this in um, our very first episode about high on fire mm. but i think matt pike does it uh, more stylishly right yeah i mean then glenn and uh, kirk hammett collect uh, comic books and uh, toys together so on their <laughs> off time so i mean yeah that's how cool they are <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe i'm not kiddish <laughs> ah so, sorry kirk <laughs> sorry kirk we love you you're welcome I mean, on the uh, show anytime Uncompromising metal attitude is fun. I do like Man of War, so I'm probably going to torture you with Man of War ifs at some point in this show. It will be interesting for sure. No, I, I had people ask me for them, and I, I said Eunice will probably bring it. Yeah, <laughs> I look yeah. forward. I look I forward to it. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I seriously like Man of War. I also like them as a joke, but <laughs> I also seriously <laughs> like that band. They have okay. some uh, amazing riffs and uh, right. just overall great arrangement, amazing lead singer, and yeah, they are fun. Uh, sometimes maybe too fun for their own good, but. <laughs> uh, they, they started early too they released stuff in the early 80s which is like remarkable we'll get to that at some point but what we'll get to now is uh, your riff of the week uh, I'll just right. play How the Gods Kill a little uh, and take a turn around that and then hand it over to you It's a fat riff. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to... Um, other thing, I, I've been thinking a little bit about um, like one of these like, uh, philosophies. Uh, when we, we started out, we were thinking like to talk about... And I think we do sometimes. Like what, what is the riff? You know, that's still an ongoing search for us you know, to yeah. determine what is a riff and what is the riff. Like... Uh, also, the search for the the perfect riff. I mean, there's bands that um, Sabbath worshippers that really like go to great extents, uh, trying to get into you know a mode, a trance-like mode, uh, yeah, where you can find the, yourself. And it, it's uh, 
Uh, I think this next band uh, is, is a very, uh, I think they have very, uh, very fitting style of riff for their, um, uh, I would say content, but I want, I, me- I mean, uh, their message. I mean the 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 riffs uh, the riffs really support the message and the vocal style of the. Um, the singer, which is, I think, it's uh, something that it's a bit new for uh, for this uh, podcast. It's the first time we hear it. I think. Uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I was surprised how fun it was to play. I, ha- I hadn't played them before. I kind of maybe wrote them off. I said in the beginning that it was something from my childhood that I was wondering, or my youth, where I was wondering, am I allowed to uh, to to be part of this this mm-hmm. like movement? Interesting. Uh, I wonder if you can already uh, already guess without saying what uh, I'm going to bring. I just wanted to add that uh, I think we've done a couple of uh, uh, like um, support riffs, uh, supporting vocals. I would say the Southern Rock riffs definitely support yeah. vocals more than just uh, sticking out as riffs. And it's interesting mm-hmm. that you bring that up, like what is a riff and all that. I think we should keep that discussion alive. Probably mm. it's an interesting yeah, discussion, yeah. especially when yeah. you kind of. You know, venture into the different fringes of um, when sometimes we near on to leads or solo type sounds, but uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's just power chords and uh, maybe just a, a single note line, and uh, sometimes a, a, a plucked chord, a plock riff. And mm. uh, you know, there's so many <laughs> ways to do it. So yeah, I'm interested. Let's, let's see what you're gonna bring. I have no clue. Okay. So that's nice. a classic. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't realize that you even had a Rage Against Machine period in your life because uh, no, I no, did, no. Uh, 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 really, really enjoyed the first album um, uh, a lot in my mid Yeah. No, the thing is, I didn't have a period with them, and that, that's what's uh, maybe a bit fun because I I was uh, I remember the first time I heard this song, and it was well, it was quite a bit later. Then it came out. It came out in '92, so it's quite. Uh, yeah, I mean, I heard it in '99. Um, yeah, the, yeah, but it's the, something exactly like like this. There was this um, was this guy and uh, two guys in the class. They were both like kung fu guys. They would <laughs> walk around and do like high kicks, uh, like close to your head. They were nice, but they had this kind of <laughs> addiction to being like. They, they thought it was really cool to do this long. Katas. Um, they, they might be Mortal listening. Kombat, I, I, Mortal Kombat inspired or something? Uh, yeah, I think just training inspired. Okay. Uh, I don't know. They would do this uh, like 20 meter long uh, kind of flow of movement called kata uh, around the school. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> they but, and they also like Rage Against the Machine. By the way, the band is Rage Against the Machine. The song is uh, Killing in the Name of. And uh, the exactly. album is also called Rage Against the Machine. It's the first album. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, so 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 they and some other people would uh, would list would play this, or they played it in the computer room in school. You know, when the people were sitting on the breaks and uh, playing, uh, what was it, Quake, Doom Two, maybe? Uh, 
and someone played it on the the shitty speakers of the of the school computer and i was like wow this is really cool this is really like bouncing and i didn't feel somehow i didn't it didn't it connected on a like a how do you say uh, on a on a groove level i really like oh, i want to be part of this but then i, I kind of saw them and, I, and then later i was like okay they're in this this political thing and can i really be a part of this um because it like to know to understand rage against the machine you have to also understand that they're a political movement as much as a band they're like extremely political uh, I would say that uh, what happened was in the end that the singer Zach de la Roja, he left the band to become more like a, a politician, uh, not a politician, um, uh, like an activist even more because he felt it was too little activism going on. Um, uh, yeah, so he he left to become an activist, but uh, we're not there yet, but it's... Uh, I think I think my it was not really a version at all. I I really like the music, and now when I play the riff, I feel like connected to it in another way. I mean, it really opened up my um, understanding of uh, of their music. I mean, we have Tom Morello, this uh, inventive guitar player, um, who's maybe not so like when you talk about him, you talk more about his solos uh, and. Uh, I was talking. You, you kind of pointed it out last episode when I was playing like one of my playthroughs of Rumble. I used this technique that I learned from Tom Morello. Look, looking at the interview, this uh, this one. Yeah. It's cool. And uh, I think that's really cool. That should be played like that, but I'm on a strat, so I can't do the the pickup. Trick. Which song was that? <laughs> That's the intro of um, my favorite Rage Against the Machine song from the same album. It's Know Your Enemy, and I was ah, about okay. to play that riff in in, in Gain It for Riffs. So I'm gonna oh, have to play. So I'm gonna have to quickly play it now because it's such a groover. Yeah, do it, do it. Super fat. Yeah, it's also a cool song. Super fat. I, I actually had a, like a reverse uh, order there because when I figured when I, I discovered them through the movie The Matrix uh, in the ending credits, uh, ah. The Matrix of '99, the first one. And uh, What's, the, the what song one, is it? But in the, in the ending credits, they play um, "Wake Up," also from this okay. album, a song that borrows the cashmere feel. And also one of the better local bands when I was a kid played an instrumental version of that uh, in live in, in like the youth centers in Holmen uh, in, <laughs> in Brambergen. So I had a, but I, I was very early on to the train, and I I, I mean and I like funky guitar. I like uh, his kind of groove and his rhythm. And when the, in the mm. riff you play there, I'm sure we'll get back to it. You have that that part. Yeah, it uh, it speaks to me. I like how it bounces and. At that mm. age, I was also on board with the, their political idea. Uh, maybe not yeah. so much now, but uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to see. Like Tom Morello is like a very accomplished, uh, very wealthy musician, and getting quite old there, and probably quite mm. comfortable. So it's for me, it's like it's, it's kind of annoys me a little bit that he's going on about the political stuff still. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. It doesn't bother me much. Uh, no, I still like. I, th I think band. they're I like the band. Uh, obviously, it's a cool theme as well. Uh, if we take away the, the if we just look at it as lyrics, you know, it's also mm. a cool theme. Definitely, uh, I think uh, the "Killing of, Killing in the Name of" really it's um, statement of what what they're about. But I think it's a, one of the most misinterpreted uh, songs ever. I mean that kind of it feels uh, people think it's uh, incites violence and uh, they went out to say it several times that they are 
not about violence. They're op- opposite any type of violence. Is it, if it's uh, racial violence, if it's religious violence, if it's political violence, anything. They don't want. They want to make music, and uh, they want people to feel good. And uh, yeah. I think I think that is totally true and uh, really nice message. But I think for this song, and I think especially. Uh, I mean, you should play the riff again, or parts of it. I mean, I skipped the intro, yeah, I think, do but uh, I think it's fun just for. Uh, let's yeah. see. Now, what what I wanted to say there before I get to what I wanted to say before, I think it's just nice to stop at. And talk a bit about this riff that it's a drop D, um, and it really has this chunky uh, feel to it that that reminds you of demonstrations where the demonstrators run around. You can see that you feel that they always have a low point, a low center point of gravity. They're not that like this uh, the the march, marching police officers that have this straight backs and hold their shields or you know very stiff uh, fascistic but they have this um counterculture way of running you know uh, maybe like a, a bit a bit of uh hip hop style of like baggy jeans maybe keep you from running you know with the straight back you have to kind of uh crab walk like uh, robert trujillo yeah. <laughs> to, to get i mean it's it it's uh, it really fits with this like bouncy Lyric and uh, no, bouncy riffs, a bouncy sure, groove. Sure. Very nice grooves. And I mean, how, how would it sound if it was played like you were the armed forces? You were the okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try it, I'll try if it was stiffened yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, maybe even I don't know. <laughs> but but that riff is important also. Where he sings the killing in the... Uh, no, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Which yeah. I think is one of the most misinterpreted <laughs> lyrics or misused lyrics. Because I think a lot of people who listen to this uh, this band... And uh, it's the same case with hip hop. It's a lot, a lot of white uh, young guys who interpret it not as you know, like a, 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 um, opposing uh, uh, racism or anything else, but they like read it or they listen to it like it's "fuck you, mom, I won't do what you tell me." Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> bounce around to that in their uh, in their uh, boys' room. You know, I like mean, fuck I, you, I, mom. I, I was never like annoyed by that line. I think that line sits very nicely there, and it sounds no, great. no, no, it sounds no, no, for sure. But I think that it could be misinterpreted in a way like fuck you. I'm not gonna pay for the food I just bought. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, but I mean, naive, if, if it, a stupid, stupid version that they wouldn't really. Um, endorse. However, about violence, it does say on uh, Tom Morello's guitar, arm the homeless. Uh, arm the homeless, yeah. <laughs> that sounds violent to me. I mean, they're really baiting for, for being interpreted as, as uh, you know, yeah. violent. Yeah, but I, I think but on another guitar, it's a soul power. It does, uh, it does. That's the most famous maybe. one. Maybe. And I think that if it, was, if it was the police forces, maybe it would be like a march instead. <laughs> that could be the cop side <laughs> so much worse right <laughs> you really need the low center point like the the, the kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, swing <laughs> there's a swing to it um well i i, I think but it, going back a little bit in 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 what i was talking uh yeah i don't know i, I kind of lost the thread there uh, a little bit but doesn't matter i um I think we, when you think about Tom Morello, you think a lot about his uh, uh, whammy pedals, yeah. uh, his uh, his techniques that he came up with. This kind of fun stuff, like he um, he also does uh, this one, right? With the the scratch, um, yeah, 
Yeah, he basically had to uh, take the role of the DJ of, of the group because they already had yeah. the bass and the drum groove and, and the rap. So he, he needed to add all those flavors. Brad Wilkes on drums and Tim Comerford, I think, with this like uh, yeah. with this yeah. very special tattoos that looks like he always has a t-shirt on. I think that's uh, <laughs> yeah, really exactly. Funny. It just looks like a big cover-up, I think. Like, uh, yeah. cover up. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, yeah, like a Nazi punk uh, that yeah, just maybe, fucked maybe. off. <laughs> Nazi punks, fuck off. <laughs> actually, it's fun. Brad Wilk actually plays on, uh, on Black Sabbath 13 that we talked about before. Yeah, okay. Another connection. He's the drummer on that one, which is actually a bad yeah. choice because he's a great drummer, ah. but he is the reverse of Bill Ward. Like Bill Ward mm. grooves on top of uh, uh, Tony Iommi's stiff rhythms. Uh, whereas mm. uh, Brad Wilk anchors uh, Tom Morello's groovy rhythms. So it was a complete mismatch, in my opinion. I mean, he did a good job, but uh, it, it was a mismatch. So just a yeah. side note there. <laughs> um, the, this al first album is uh, killer. It, uh, also, the, the first song... Uh, uh, wait, I have to... Uh... That's really, uh, I like up that. With another bomb track. <laughs> some of all of that. Or, what he what also sing. said, uh, <laughs> when I was watching some Tom Morello uh, uh, talks, he was like, yeah, when in doubt, kids, kids, when you're doubting, you can always fall, fall back on the F sharp. F sharp, yeah. That's in, yeah. in my favorite <laughs> there too. Balls on Parade, I think that's yeah, uh, nice. With the, but I think it's uh, also Balls the on Parade from the, from the sophomore release, um, Evil Empire. Yeah, but I think it's also the octave there playing a huge part. In yeah, the, I mean you can play. I think he he plays it. Uh, that's that riff. He actually plays it uh, tuned down one uh, half step, but live he plays it uh, normal, normal standard tuning. So it's not really that sharp. That's the thing. Yeah, it's a cool riff. Yeah. Yeah, I That's think there's nice. a misconception about Tom Morello that people think that he has like shit tons of pedals because he has all these wacky noises, right? Mm. But a lot he of has it a is few fairly, pedals, though, a lot but, of it uh, is fairly mechanical, actually. Like a lot of it is done with, mm. as you said, the pickup selector, um, pick scraping, and yeah. that kind of stuff. He uses he has the Digitech Whammy pedal, which is like a by now uh, like a classic pedal. It's uh, one of the most classic pitch shifters out there, and uh, he uses that a lot. But other than that, it's just a boss delay. A tuner and a wah. You know I mean, it's, it's quite, actually quite a minimal, actually quite a minimal rig compared to most other guitarists. But he, he doesn't have uh, what, what he lacks, maybe, which I have here, which I should try now. It's a. Uh... No. How do you even play with this? Uh, so I just played with my Ebo. I, I oh, got yeah. a bunch of pedals from my brother, and he also sent me <laughs> a, a, a present I bought for him years ago, uh, uh, an Ebo. <laughs> I don't think he ever used it. <laughs> that was a quick trend. That, that went by fast. Like around yeah. 2000, everyone used them. Uh, like Opeth used a ton of them on Blackwater Park, for example. Mm -hmm. But then they kind of disappeared. Like no one wanted to do that. Mm. But I think it also, but what you said there is true that he he really did all this mechanical. He uses the guitar, and you said that on numerous occasions. That I mean, the tone that you get is it's actually what what you do with your fingers. You know, you yeah. can really bring out the most with just your fingers. You don't need like the pedal board from hell. No. And I think uh, it's important to emphasize that he uses, mm. I would say, less pedals than 99% of the small acts that I uh, host when I'm a sound engineer. Yeah. He yeah, uses yeah. less pedals than those guys, less than the amateurs, <laughs> let alone professionals. Like take, uh, uh, I don't know, Steve Perry in Aerosmith, he is like... Uh, 500 pedals, you know, for, for yeah, playing Tommy that. Tommy Victor in uh, that. <laughs> Tommy Victor, I don't know. 
I have no clue. But the, uh, Tom Morello uses like four or five pedals. It's not a lot. It's a very minimalistic no. rig. But of course, mm. the Whammy is wacky. And I, I have another Digitech product here that so I can kind of emulate. Okay. Pitch shifting is always kind of crazy. So mm -hmm. you can get a, a long way with the one Digitech pitch shifter. Yeah. But I, I think um, uh, I think that his guitar playing is awesome. I mean, the, the riffs very good, are... Very good. I, often the riffs are, you know, kind of, you know, not with so many effects. Uh, he does uh, a bit more on uh, in Audio Slave, the band that they started after yeah. Zach uh, de la Roja quit they started a band uh, with chris cornell so you have the basically it's rage against the machine plus uh, chris cornell and it was huge huge uh, success uh, i remember seeing them uh, and i thought it was great a really good concert uh, and uh, i think it was the first time ever i heard uh, they made this they did a cover of seven nation army and i heard that one before i heard um, White, uh, white stripes and i'm happy i did actually because i think it sounded really good when they they did it also that was like the first and last time i sung uh along with that riff which has since become like yeah, this football yeah, staple in football arenas and stuff but uh, i would say on paper audio slave would have been amazing for me but uh, somehow it, it was a lackluster in my case i didn't see them live so i cannot attest to that but it was just like mm, they have this amazing singer and it's rage against the machine it should be great uh, for yeah. me, it was a bit bland, actually. I didn't get into it at all. I mean, the, this, the mm -hmm. first single, Kushais, was pretty cool. And then there's another song that I saw on Lost in Vegas that I thought was great. So maybe I've missed something there. Maybe I haven't mm. given them the proper chance. No. Shout out to Lost in Vegas. Uh, yeah. The only good reaction channel. Uh, I yeah. I would say so. If you, uh, if, if, if until we release uh, the Gain It for Riff uh, reaction channel, where you react to my riff just like we do here, but with uh, added video for no <laughs> no reason at all. Other than that, it might uh, be fun. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. When I learned uh, some riffs, and especially this song, I feel more connected finally to uh, music of the band. And uh, I also appreciate Zach uh, de la Roja's uh, in primal and very uh, vocal performance. Yeah, I actually love his vocals. I think they're yeah. amazing. He's a very good MC. And he, I like that he does the, all these small MC things, like bring that shit in, you know, mm. bring that back. Bring it down, you know. It Bring kind of, of you power know, back the, where the DJ should go, so to speak, uh, which uh, always works for me somehow. Uh, you know, yeah. coming back with another bomb track and uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, he's mm. not really a, a rapper per se. I mean, it's the style of rap, but it's it, it's just a, a good kind of hardcore uh, vocal style. I would say mm. I like it a lot. I think that's maybe why I was disappointed with um, having Chris Cornell on because I kind of missed Zach, to be honest. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the, now, now though they uh, they go under the moniker "Prophets of Rage," or is that over? Uh, Maybe they we... went back to being Rage Against the Machine. Oh, really? But I'm not <laughs> okay. super sure. I, I I wouldn't go see them now. It's too late for me to see them now. Mm. Prophets of Rage. Uh, it's again Rage Against the Machine plus uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy, and uh, is it? Someone from Run DMC also, am I wrong? Uh, something I don't like know. this. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, hello? I think... Uh, hello? Hey, Farm? Yeah. yeah. I think uh, a problem, a big problem for me with Rage Against the Machine is that the first album, the debut, is so good. So they it yeah. cannot be matched, in my opinion. I mean, Evil Empire and um, Battle of Los Angeles um, are good, too. And the cover album is pretty good, too. Uh, the, um, what is it called, the cover album? Renegades of Funk, I think. Mm. Um, they're all good but like doesn't beat the first one it's just the first one even production sound wise mm. it's the best it's just the best yeah. on every level and I, I for me it's pretty much maybe not a full score but uh, at least damn near it's damn near a perfect uh, album for what it is 
I think you can, uh, if you go on YouTube, dear listener, you can find uh, very early live performances of Rage Against the Machine before they released the first album or like in conjunction when they did. Interesting. Uh, it's really, really, really good. So it's very energetic and uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, I would maybe recommend uh, the live version of um, Know Your Enemy from um, Battle of Mexico City. I think it's from that from that DVD. It's a very, mm. very good live rendition of it. And I think Maynard from Tool sneaks in to do his little part there in the middle. Uh, sick of complacence now. Sick of, sick of, sick of. Ah, that part. <laughs> I was really like, uh, when when we recorded last week's episode with uh, Slayer, yeah, and uh, you were playing Skeletons of Society, and you said it was a very 90s riff, and I was like, oh, is he, is he going to play? Uh, because it, it, ha- it has this bounce to it also, surprisingly true, enough. True. And it's also <laughs> like a, some somehow semi-political but it's slayer political it's not Sakularoka <laughs> political but it's it, it 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 speaks about society anyway it speaks about society and skeletons <laughs> yeah and skeletons <laughs> I mean, um, it speaks about a society crumbling and that's what i think okay it's about. yeah, yeah uh, kind of you know the, the hierarchy being turned upside down <laughs> it's, it's a cool song it's a good song um yeah i mean, I mean maybe that's uh we'll we'll stop there I did again. I was I was happy that you picked Rage Against the Machine because I had yeah. kind of leaned on it, but I thought like Ole is, is he even into that? Uh, does he want to hear it? Uh, it was it would have been <laughs> Know Your Enemy in that case, uh, and I think uh, uh, this song is uh, maybe their most uh, prolific song, isn't it? Killing. And uh, I also wanted to say that uh, I like that the lyrics are super sparse. There's words there. That's more of statements being repeated. It's like uh, some of those in forces and the same that burn crosses. And then yeah. he says that over and over and over. And then, fuck you, I want to what you tell me. Something like that, right? Exactly. Uh, there's some more stuff, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, go listen to it if you don't remember it. But I think that's a really smart thing that you, you know, you inside, it's really like it can be uh, heard as um, slogans screamed at a uh, rally or. Yeah. Uh, at the demonstration and i think they've also been used like that um but i i like i kind of think i think it's endearing or kind of bo- both endearing and problematic that like <laughs> guys uh get upset that uh they 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 don't know, they don't understand they're maybe too entitled to understand that it's a political message and not directed at someone's mother or like it's maybe. It is for everyone, of course, but you kind of have to get that. It's part of something else. It's not just the music. And I think that in this case, it's hard to separate. And I think, but that also is a a strong point that uh, riffs, for instance, now we we talk about the riffs, that they really complement the whole message and uh, the the song, uh, the the lyrics, everything. I mean, it's really like bouncy. uh, It's in your face. It's hard, but it's also fun in a way. I mean, yeah. That's a lot. Absolutely, absolutely monumental live, obviously. That, mm. uh, the fuck you part is not going to leave anyone standing still. It's going to be a big sea wave of people jumping up and down and singing those lyrics, maybe thinking about the wrong stuff, but in that particular moment, it doesn't matter because mm. then it's no, just an absolute that's, banger. That's, that's very true. I mean, you can some things are good no matter what. I mean, you don't need to have you don't need to ha- know everything, but it's just exactly. like you you can't I mean, you can't energy, get upset. Pure energy, and that, I think that <laughs> I think maybe the, exactly you can't get upset. I think maybe that kind of summarizes um, uh, why, what I like about Rage Against the Machine that it's uh, packed with energy. It's always mm. packing a punch and always with a groove. And as you said, like a low point of gravity. It's a it's good material. What do you think about that first bass riff, though? Uh, it's very new metal-esque, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's a bit on the in, uh, almost in, too much in a, in a kind of uh, uh, boiled down way, uh, mm. destillated, destillated way. Yeah, uh, so I think it works well. It creates attention, and again, we're with the tritone there, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that I would play the whole riff uh, from start to finish and uh, to sure. get uh, to sign us off maybe we'll say something after that I don't yeah. know I mean that's it folks uh, Danzig and Rage Against the Machine uh, interesting combination
listening to Gain It For Riffs. And yeah. uh, hopefully you will be listening again when we return next Wednesday with more riffs. Whew. Thank you, Ole. This was an interesting episode. Uh, longer than I thought, but uh, hey, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Yeah. I don't know how we spend all that time on, on dancing, uh, but yeah. <laughs> no, dancing is interesting. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's great. So, dear uh, listener, thank you for sticking around and um, give us some good reviews on the Apple Podcast and uh, tell your friends that might be interested in, in a Riff podcast that there is one. Yeah, uh, and please across. come with suggestions as well of riffs that you want to hear us talk about. Uh, that would be super welcome. And yeah. it has already been done in previous episodes. But thanks so much. Ciao. Thank you. Over and out. Bye-bye. Otroligt långt avsnitt. Ja, så är det. Jag tyckte inte det var just det. Det har gått massa tid. Jag tyckte inte det var 38 minuter. Fan är det här. Men det är nog en del, det var en del hack i början också. Ja, inte mycket alltså. Uh, Okej. Okay.